Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey, 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 and welcome to episode 109, 109 of How You At You. It's your girl Shanice from K-Pop Box, and today it is a solo episode of just me, myself, and I. So we're going to go through all the latest K-topics, your unpopular opinions, and everything in between. If you want to join the conversation, make sure you hit us up on socials at How You At You. So let's sit back, relax. And let's get it started. So you know the drill by now. First things first, we're going to go through some hot topics. Got a few stories here. So first thing, short and sweet. Um, 21's I Am The Best is the first ever song to hit 100 million streams on Spotify, according to reports. I don't know like how... I think it has to be the first K-pop song. I feel like there has to be a song prior to that. I don't know. That just sounds sounds mad to me. I mean, it makes sense. It's such an iconic song. But it sounds right but wrong at the same time. I don't know if that's just me, though. But, yay, I love that for my babes. I hope, you know, they could come together, do some sort of reunion tour situation. Um, I know I did a story, I think... When was it? Maybe a couple months back or a month back about a cryptic post CL posted and you had like Dada and maybe Minji. They were commenting cryptic stuff like, yeah, I can't wait kind of vibes. So I'm hoping it's got something to do with copywriting, something to do with where they can you know, come together, because I feel like they're stronger together, but that's just me. Moving on, EXO's Dio confirms that the group will make a comeback soon when Bikyan gets discharged from the military, and baby, I cannot wait. I miss EXO, like, there's a gap in my heart that misses their music, and I don't know, just on this whole tangent of like Gen Free and seeing some of you know like the end of year performances with some of the new generations groups and they're performing like twice and stuff and it's just like when you see groups perform songs from like a previous generation and it's at the end of year it's 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 kind of sad for like OG fans because it it kind of signifies the end of that generation. It's really sad. I, don't, I get all so emotional and I just feel like I'm so out of it as well. And it's just oh, so sad. 
and then last but not least we have to talk about this whole Luna Chu situation and um Blockberry creative so I just wanted to go through this thread that is by wanted on Twitter and it was their account and I think it was at Juni underscore underscore trans for basically translating this whole um, dispatch article surrounding the situation with Blockberry Creative and Chew and I just feel like it's broke down really well so this may be a bit lengthy but once we go through it we could then kind of discuss and talk about it so I think the article is summarized into four categories so one is choose choose unfavorable contract two is the flip that issue three is choose suppose Gapchi, I think that's like Gapchi. Um, I think that's how you say it. And fourth is choose interview with dispatch themselves. Okay, so buckle up because this can't be a lengthy one. So choose unfavorable contract. Um, it says here, Chu realized her contract was unfavorable to her. Because of this, she filed an injunction to nullify her, her contract for 2022. And in January 2022, the court sided with Chu to have her contract nullified. Chu's original contract with BBC at debut, December 2017, first split the profits 70 to BBC and then 30 to Chu. Then split the cost of expenses 50 to BBC, 50 to Chew. Chew's revised contract with BBC, April 2022, valid to December 31st, 2022, is profits 30% to BBC and a 70 to Chew, and then expenses 50 50 between BBC and Chew. Chew's new contract included two new clauses. One would allow either party to claim for damages if applicable. And charge the person who caused the damages 50 million won. 50 million won is about 32 to 33,000 pounds. And I'm guessing it's around the same for USD because our conversion rate. <laughs> the British pound baby has dropped. But anyway, and this would also include a clause to terminate the contract immediately. New specific inclusions in, Chu, in Chu's contract. Chu has the right to skip all member lunar schedules three times per month. Chu has the right to skip lunar album promotion schedules three times per month. If the schedules are not discussed in advance, Chu's schedule will be prioritised. If BBC wishes to change the schedule due to the inevitable circumstances, they can do so only once. BBC also had given up and gave Chu full rights to oversee all activities related to Chu. This includes advertisements and broadcasts that were offered to Chu. In addition, all external proposals would need to be related to Chu without any fee. So that is the first section about her contract. And I think it's amazing that when she was able to revise her contract, she was able to flip her 30% of revenue to 70. We love a boss queen. We love that. And just seeing this makes you want to see everyone else's contracts because that old contract was a bit of a mess. Anyway, moving on to the next section that's called Flip That, called the Flip That Issue. On the 25th of May 2022, Choose Mother invoked the new damage compensation clause during filming for Luna's Flip That. One, filming began on the 24th of May at 9am. Two, 
filming was delayed and scene 16, group dance, scheduled for 11pm, was delayed. 3. BBC Ox choose side to excuse and one hour delay. 4. Chu's mother invoked the clause due to that delay. Chu was scheduled to shoot a commercial film on the 25th of May and Chu's mother claimed that the MV filming delay had caused interference with the following scheduled asking for compensation. That makes sense. At the MV filming on the 25th of May at 12.27am, Luna member C called CEO A informing that Chu would be leaving their MV filming site even though they needed to film their group dance scene. CEO A asked member C how much more is left in the MV filming schedule and member C with no knowledge of the filming, um, no knowledge of the MV filming schedule, asked COA to refer to their manager. At 12:35 a.m., COA calls Chu's mother and shares that the filming for the group scene has yet to be completed and the delay has gone longer than expected. COA states that it is awkward for Chu to leave in the middle of shooting. Chu's mother replied, saying that she sees the situation and agrees to stay at the filming site. Okay. Once this call was over, Chu's mother messaged the EOA stating that there was a breach of contract as per Article 5, Paragraph 2, claiming damages. Chu's mother stated that she's willing to go along with the filming delays, but she would be seeking damages as per the clause that BBC added. Yes, come through Mama Chu. She is not playing with her daughter. And I love this. Um, Chu's mother stated that she's willing to go along with the filming delays, but would be seeking damages as the clause that BBC added. Yep. COA then agrees to the damages damage compensation and informed Chu's mother that Chu will participate until the end of the filming as the compensation will be paid for delays, including, including scene 19, a group scene. However, Chu's mother disagrees with this action as further shooting will affect her commercial film shooting later that day. BBC ended up compensating Chu for the scheduled disruption and Chu had finished filming the scene, scene 16, while the other group scenes, scene 19, was scrapped as Chu ended up not filming the scene. And I feel like that makes complete sense. As it states, she had another scheduled activity, timing was messed up, and Chu's mother was not playing around, and we love that. Okay, we're going to move on to Chu's supposed japjil, and I think that stems from, it was an expression referring to an arrogant or authoritarian attitude or, act, or actions of people who have positions of power over others. Okay, I am so confused. I have no idea what is going on. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to see if there's like a simpler version because especially if this is like the first time we're hearing this, it can get a bit confusing. Okay, so this is regarding the um, power abuse. That is the whole jet situation. Um, dispatch shared cacao talk between Chu and Director B talking about her participation in Luna's activities and her request for her stamp. 
not sure what her stamp is. Based on the conversation, B might think Chu was being rude, but at the same time, Chu had already lost her trust. So that's what the whole conversation was about. Other than money from other than money from her words in the convo, you didn't give me give me money, you also didn't give me my stamp, you didn't give me the settlement detail document. Blockberry is the best. Her trust with the company has fallen. There are words spreading, which means Chu is earning money to pay off Luna's debt. But this is wrong. Chu's money belongs to her. So does each other members as they have individual contracts. So I'm guessing that's what that um, section is. The, that update was from Korean updates. If you guys want to take a look, I'm not going to add to that. Um, I did that so that was the cacao talk and then I she did an interview with dispatch as well I'm not really sure like if you want to go and look into that please do there's probably loads of people that have done videos on the whole situation breaking it down and especially those that are in Korea or within the music industry may have a better understanding of the whole situation. But it just seems as if there was a lack of trust between Chu and Blockberry. And it's just become very messy. But I'm not going to lie, and this may be just my bias, it doesn't look good for Blockberry. And it seeing how the original contract was for Chu makes me want to see what the other contracts for the other members are not even just from within, within Blockberry just across the board and I just love that Chu had her mum in her corner and yeah I do feel like especially idols that debut young or even just trainees they need to have some sort of security have someone that's in their corner back in their corner because Listen, the entertainment business will chew you up and spit you out. They don't care. They view, you know, these people as products on a conveyor belt. And there's someone cuter, younger, that's being born every minute. That's, you know, they're, they're happy to make someone take their place. And, yeah, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. But hey, I know this was long. Hopefully I'll cut this down and hopefully that made sense. But if you guys want to add anything to the whole Chew situation or you want me to talk about something else that you've seen, then do let me know by hitting up hitting us up on socials at how you at you. So that was hot topics, hot, hot topics. I did that the other way around, but I'll repeat again if there's any stories you want us to comment on or you want to comment on a story make sure you hit, make sure you hit us up on socials at how you add you all right moving on to our next segment called say what we send your unpopular opinions dilemmas hot tea questions you can send that all to how you tea at gmail.com that's how you tea at gmail.com or you can submit an anonymous form at kpopbox.co.uk forward slash how you at you so um i actually found some interesting unpopular opinions in the reddit space this week i thought i would change it up so the first unpopular opinion and let me know if you agree or disagree 
says, visual positions do matter. This person says, I'm not a fan of it, but I find it silly that people say it doesn't. South Korea in general is relied heavily on visuals. Many get plastic surgery to have an easier time just getting jobs. Secondly, you need a specific idol to get the group more popular. Like how Woon Young is getting many modern opportunities and is a brand ambassador. I think it's an unpopular opinion because I've seen so many say it doesn't matter. I get where they come from and I do think every idol is beautiful. But the visual position is almost the most important thing for a K-pop group, including branding. I personally do agree and we can't and I know it's it seems like a horrible thing to say but I do think it does matter usually especially in the sea of groups in general it takes that one person to intrigue your interest and then you go down the rabbit hole and that visual may not be your bias you may fall in love with someone else and of course that isn't the only way as well to get into a group but especially if it's around debut time and you know you haven't got a clue what you know each member's skill set is it does make sense it does and i do like how this person did reference about south korea being a a, a visual place and some of you may or may not know i don't know how how much of it is practiced now but you know for cvs or resumes you would have to put your picture on there and before they've even read your resume, you could be like the most perfect candidate. But if you don't have the look, then it's kind of hard for you to get that job. But at the same time, I guess I, I understand the importance of it. But I don't know if there should be like a dedicated role for the visual member, especially in today's standards. Maybe it's just to me, but I don't think there's such a such thing as an ugly idol. I don't think someone's just solely get into a group because they're visually stunning. I feel like they should have some sort of talent. But we just have to be real with ourselves and we just have to acknowledge that, you know, people listen with their eyes first. <laughs> I don't know. I get it. But at the same time, I don't think it should be like their sole title. I don't think there's been an idol where I feel like they shouldn't be there because all they do is just stand there and look good. Yeah, let me know what you guys think about that. Moving on to our next opinion. It says, K-pop dance covers are more entertaining than the original performances. I almost never watch any K-pop performances on shows anymore. I guess this ties into the whole lip syncing issue where I don't see the point in watching the performance with a pre-recorded vocals, especially if the group has subpar stage presence. Sometimes a performance can come off a bit too manufactured and perfect, which isn't my cup of tea. I'm not saying that this is the case with every group. I love watching dance covers and I'm a huge fan of watching k-pop in public videos the people in these dance teams are so talented and you can tell that they really love to dance and perform it's just such a joy to watch people dance and smile and have fun i find that when a new song is released i may watch one performance by the group and that's it because you don't get anything new by the next performance and it gets boring to me but i can watch covers again and again and it never seems old. I kind of agree with this and I think this ties in with the whole dance practice videos as well. I think 
K-pop has got to the stage where they're trying to be too polished. Like, there's no... And I think I've said this on other episodes before. There's no roughness around the edges. I feel like if we talk about... Again, I'm going a bit off tangent. But if you talk about K-pop dance practice videos, for example, right? I miss the grainy quality. I miss, for example... Obviously, we know that Shiny was the first to do it. I miss someone, like, I think it was Taemin. Taemin going to press the record button, run back into place before the song starts. You know, just having that feel where it's not so, where the camera's, the camera's in a static place. The camera's not moving everywhere. It's in one place. You hear the squeaking of the shoe. You know, someone might, someone's hat might fall off and... You know, another member will swiftly kick it out of the way. You know it's not part of the dance, but it's like little nuances like that that you miss. And even coming down to outfit, why do you have a whole costume design for something that's meant to be a practice? Where's everyone's like, okay, I'm not saying that in everyone's um, dance practice videos, they don't have individual style, but they look too much like a group. It doesn't look like Ben, Timothy... Damien all came together just to practice real quick. Do you get it? Why why are we having a stylist for a dance practice video? Like I just miss when someone's wearing pink and someone else is wearing green and it doesn't necessarily match but it makes sense to that individual idol, that roughness that I miss. I think with this person when they're talking about they rather watch um, K-pop dance covers more than the original performances. As they said, that you could see the love and the joy. The reason why it may seem a bit more entertaining than the original group is because you get to see new nuances of the dance as well. And, for example, if just say they're doing a Blackpink dance, for example, how Jenny will dance to Jenny's bit is not how Jennifer would dance to Jenny's. That is a very confusing example but you get what I mean how an, a, a person from a dance cover group will dance to Jenny because they're going to take different things away from it and again it's out of love it's not out of obligation if that makes sense and it does seem like with certain k-pop performances and of course it's a job <laughs> like I'm not stupid of course it's a job but there's that kind of forced obligation there and and I think the reason why music show performances from the original group can be seen as a bit boring at times is and again I think I've mentioned this before I feel like there's a lot of dances these these days that will come under two categories it's either it's a dance that's just meant to go viral on TikTok like you could tell they've they've done this simple thing so it's like catchy and other people can do it that's not necessarily a bad thing but when everyone's doing it and it's for every comeback it can become a bit redundant and the second thing is there's a lot of dances that only can be performed with certain camera angles certain camera like camera trickery and if you want to go and watch a certain group live that will kind of take you out of it and again I, I do really feel like it's the imperfections that are missing as this person said if you're just gonna if you're not even gonna come to stage and give me a little pizzazz whilst you're lip syncing. I would ra- I'd rather hear the odd wobbles and, you know, 
someone trying to catch their breath like we're human like you know you're not robots we expect to see these things and I think that's what they're missing it's the the perfectly imperfect performance is what I feel like is missing within within k-pop like everything is trying to become too polished too perfect but that's what I personally think let me know what you guys think. Do you agree with my take? Do you disagree? Let me know. And the last unpopular opinion is I like rap in K-pop. Okay, I feel like this is an unpopular opinion because I see posts and videos about how beep rapping in K-pop is and I get it. Idol rappers will never hold a candle to American hip-hop artists, especially since most of them don't write and just assigned to do it but I can't lie I love it one of my favorite rap lines in k-pop is Everglow I don't consider EU and Aisha real rappers by any means but I love their idol rapping it just adds so much to their songs like in first the rap part always floors me and I just feel it adds more texture to the song and it's not even restricted to good idol rappers either. For example, I don't consider Irene or Yuri good, but I love their rap part in Red Flavor. It's just so fun. Songs that are all singing are good, but when the beat changes and we get a good rhythmic rap, it's just chef's kiss to me. Even if it's cringy, it's just fun, and I listen to K-pop to have fun. I think K-pop rap is overhated, and is good for what its purpose is intended to be. A little side rant, I'm also tired of people saying Soyeon and sometimes CL are the only good female rappers in K-pop. Don't get me wrong, I love them, like that's so discrediting to so many good female rappers in K-pop. I feel like so many good rappers are overlooked by the blanket statement K-pop rap is bad. Okay. I, I agree I feel and I'm not gonna lie I am one of those people that can be like oh here we go another k-pop rap but it's not necessarily because the thing is I feel like there are some k-pop rap parts in songs that are not necessarily like good in the sense of oh this person has bars this is sick like it's so bad that it's good do you know what I mean and it adds something to the song I don't hate those type of raps I feel like sometimes there might be certain songs where a rap is just not needed and it's just it's just shoved and forced into the song and we don't need it I don't want to hear it y'all don't want to hear it it's just cut it off but I do think as well if you are a rapper in a group I feel like you should just have fun and and write or help write your raps or companies because obviously there might be certain idol rappers that want to to write and not given the opportunity but like companies should give them the opportunity to join in within the creative process because I feel like if you're not writing or help writing your raps could you just argue you're doing glorified karaoke is that harsh because if you gave me the same amount of time to learn those lines and I rap it and I don't really add anything or I'm not allowed to add anything to it, it's just glorified 
karaoke. Would you agree or disagree with that? And I do agree, I hate the whole takes of so young and CLs only no, you guys just don't know any other female, good female, you know, rap idols that are out there. Like, I say this all the time, L.E. from EXID, I feel like is a pioneer in a sense of the sound that a lot of girls go for today. She helped, she helped train Hyana and then in the essence, because of Hyana, you have your Soyons. And that's not um, discrediting the talents that they have. And even Moonbyul from Mama Moo as well. I'm trying to think who else, who else can I think of? I, I, I don't know. I can't think of any, anyone else off the top of my head. But yeah, I just feel like a lot of, a lot of women are slept on, to be fair. Even though I would say this generation, fourth generation, the girls are killing it. The girls are cleaning it out of the park in terms of girl groups. But um, back to this unpopular opinion, I do like the essence that K-pop idol rap brings. It does add a new colour, new texture to a song. But as I said, I just feel like it doesn't need to be in every song. But that's just my opinion but yeah guys that's the end of all the unpopular opinions if you want to add to anything that's discussed today or you want to submit any of your unpopular opinions make sure you hit us up on socials at how you at you or don't forget to submit a form at kpopbox.co.uk forward slash how you at you you can do it anonymously give yourself a nice name all that good stuff and we'll read it moving on to our last segment called on the radar where i let you know what is on my radar this week what is on my radar as i don't think i have anything per se on my radar this week k-pop wise but i do have a question for you guys do you have like a favorite Christmassy, holiday-ish K-pop song? For me, I feel like nothing tops the whole EXO Christmas album situation. I'm trying to think of a particular song. What was the name of that song? Yes, uh, I think it's called Christmas Day. Yes, that's a good r&b i love me some r&b vibes so if you want to feel grown and sexy this christmas <laughs> listen to exo christmas day i will say that's on my radar but also wanted to say as well i actually miss and i could be wrong because i'm not looking around like that but they don't have like good christmasy holiday-ish themed shows not necessarily that idols have to perform songs that are Christmassy but I like just just a show that's Christmassy <laughs> how many times can I say Christmassy um do you get what I mean do you understand what I mean I hope you get what I mean oh another thing that was on my radar I wish you a Merry Christmas morning anyone to the ladies what was it like Esper and Red Velvet I just see, keep seeing clips of that. That's the most, what is it with these cheesy Christmas songs? Is that... I don't mind it. It's, it's, it's a good fun. It's, it's cheesy fun. And the other Christmassy type song that comes to mind is probably The Stray Kids. 
Feliz Navidad, Evil, is it Evil Christmas? One of them. Me can't remember. But you know what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, I guess for next week, if there is an episode next week, keep your eyes, is peeled to these streaming platform streets. Um, I do want to, I do want to put out there, what is your, like, favourite song, favourite MV from this year? Who are you looking forward to see in the new year? And if you submit that all to kpopbox.co.uk forward slash how you at you in the little section, just put other and then just type away. Because I would love to discuss that with Shay, hopefully, um, next week. That would be fantastic. Because next week would be the last episode of the year. And... Yeah, I would love to delve deep into recapping the year. So yeah, hopefully this episode wasn't too weird listening to one person. Thank you so much for listening to How You At You. And remember, you can hit us up on socials at How You At You. I've been Shanice from K-Pop Box. Hopefully content coming soon. Don't kill me. Uh, follow me at K-Pop Box underscore. Don't forget to rate us, leave reviews on wherever you are listening to us on. And until next time, we will holler at you. Bye.